Sometimes your genius design idea needs an escape hatch. Hi everybody and welcome to my podcast, Something I Learned Yesterday, in which I usually take an issue from the world of publishing and try to explain it in about three or four minutes. Today I'm doing an interview with my friend Trisha Oaken. We're going to talk about design. The show's going to be a little bit longer. Hi everybody, so I'm really pleased today to have Trisha Oaken join me. We're going to talk about some design issues. Trisha is a UX designer. She helps companies design both for the benefit of the company and also for the benefit of the public so that people are actually getting what they want out of a website, which is, of course, a very important thing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to riff off of something that my dad used to complain about. So first of all, welcome, Tricia. Thanks so much. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you here today. We talk a lot, but just never in this context before. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my dad, Tricia, when I was a boy, my dad would have some circumstance where he would say, stop trying to help me. And I always <laughs> thought he was just being a grump. You know, it's just yeah. like, what's what's going on here? But as I go through life and I see different circumstances where people are trying to help me and they're really not helping me, you know, like you yeah. call, you call in and there's one of those press one for this and press two for that. And it never matches what you're trying to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Right. So I was thinking like, what are some examples of that that happen in web design and app design and so forth? And how do you get a, get away from them? Yeah. So, um, by the way, with that, I just always just press zero. I just see, say like person, person, person until, until the system gives right. up and gives me person. Um, yeah. So in examples in, in interfaces and experience, one of my pet peeves, um, besides Clippy, the paperclip, like in, in Microsoft Word, which I believe finally went away. They finally like retired him and gave him a pension. Yes. Um, is personalization and recommendations, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so we see we see recommendations, supposedly recommended content or products all the time now. It was a big deal like 10 years ago when people first started doing it, when companies first started doing it. But um, my issue is that, and, and for, for those who don't realize it, personalization recommendation is when supposedly an application or a website take some of your browsing data, and then based on that, starts to create like a really basic profile for you and starts recommending like, oh, because, because you went to this particular page, you might like X, Y, or Z, right? Yes. Um, however, um, the way that it really ticks me off <laughs> is, is when, um, in the case of using, let's say, social media feeds, so this even happens on LinkedIn, um, or let's say Facebook or whatever it may be, or Instagram or whatever, whatever other uh, website where after a certain point, because you've interacted with like a few people a couple of times, they, the algorithm then thinks that like, you want to see those they're same besties, people, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, they're your besties or something like that. And it keeps showing you the same 12 people when it's like, I know oh, I'm connected to like 500 people. Why do you keep showing me the same? Only these people? three. That's right. Yeah. That's a good example. Your paperclip yeah. example was a great one too. I mean, everybody hated that thing and it was, it was trying to help you, but it really wasn't helping in any way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really felt bad for Clippy at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so the personalization one, I've got a good, I've got a good example of that. I visit uh, my brother once a week and when I'm when I'm with him, 
he often asks me to look up something on my phone, okay? Uh, I, to look up something in YouTube or something like that, okay? So I look up stuff that he's interested in that I'm not interested in. But yes. that YouTube now thinks of that as something that I'm interested in, and now it shows up in my feed, right? So that that's an example of where wouldn't it be better if I could curate my feed somehow? Yes, exactly. It says, okay, this is what I think you're interested in. I can go through and say, no, I'm not really interested in that. Yeah, remove that. Yeah, yeah, no. exactly. So another yeah, example I thought of was like autofill. Autofill is a great thing or in predictive text. Those can be helpful, but sometimes like you're trying to type in something and it autofills and then it ends up searching on the autofill instead of what you're actually yes. trying to type. That, that grinds my gears as well. <laughs> So, <laughs> so how do you how do you avoid that sort of thing? How, when in your design work, how do you make sure that the kinds of customizations and personalizations and so forth aren't being annoying like that? I mean, genuinely, I'm someone who's always in favor of the escape hatch. You know, of someone of people being able to exit out of this particular section of the experience, whether it's you know, one of those really long landing pages, let's right. say like marketing landing pages that people are designing or what have you. Um, when I used to design those for a very, very long time. And I always made sure to just say like a fine, I'll like click here and I'll join now button, whatever it is in different stages. So people just have a way to skip all the other guff if they need to, right. if they're tired, I'm convinced. Yeah. I mean, and the case of the personalization or the autofill, just the ability to say like to just like a little X to like tap out of that. That's all mm -hmm. you need in order mm -hmm. to then let people go back to what it is that they were trying to do, the tasks that they were trying to accomplish. And what and what that's called within um user experience design is called reducing the friction. Mm -hmm. You reduce the friction in terms of um in order to help people achieve the tasks that they are trying to achieve or that you want them to achieve. Sure. So, so you can even put in those small incidences of, of ways to to reduce the friction for folks. And the same thing with the personalization. Um, and there are a couple of instances where I have seen where some recommendations come up, you know, in the you looked at this or what have you, where it's given it's given me the option to say, like, no, take this out. I actually don't want that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I'm always grateful whenever I see that because otherwise it's like. I'm not interested in vintage tractors. I searched that one time and I don't need to now see like tractor monthly or whatever it is. So. That's right. So I like your phrase, escape hatch is so much better than stop trying to help me. So, <laughs> yeah, having an escape hatch, having an out. Uh, I like yeah. that idea. And being able to curate what what the company thinks, you know, what they think they know about you, being able to go, I don't know why that's not... Uh, more of a feature on websites where they have all this information. Why can't they just expose it to the consumer and say, this is what we know. And you could go in and say, erase it or no, this is wrong or, or whatever. Because it would scare a lot of people actually how much yeah. information. Because people know. don't know how much information people are really collecting. Yeah. 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 I mean, and this is one thing living um, in Europe. Um, and even though the, the UK, I live in the UK and it's out of the EU now, but they still abide by some EU rules with, in terms of cookies, website cookies, right. the clearance. GDPR um, and all that, right? Yeah, GDPR. And so, and so you're able to declare if you're willing to accept a certain level of cookies or tracking. Mm -hmm. And my husband, who's, who's like a totally a developer, he knows about internet stuff. He just accepts cookies. I'm like, what are you doing? But I think it's because he 
clears his cookies every single day. I don't. <laughs> and so I literally go through and I will, on every single website, I will uncheck like literally the thousand different, there are a thousand different companies that are gathering information on you. Yeah. If you ever, if you're ever in a situation, let's say you're outside the US or you're looking on in, in an international site that shows you if you want to accept or, or decline cookies, mm -hmm. go through. There are literally a thousand different yeah. software scripts on every single website. I was I was in a session one time where this guy was showing just on a basic simple WordPress site. They installed a couple of plugins and how many train how many things, you know, okay, the plugin is gathering this information, which is going out to this other service, which is going out to this other service. And he showed just from I think it was from three plugins, how there were hundreds of different sites that were actually collecting data from that visit. Yeah, exactly. Very strange. Yeah. So Trisha, we, we're running out of time. What, to, how do you avoid this? Like, what's your method for making sure you say you design not only for the company's benefit or the ones who are paying you, but also for the benefit of the, the users. How do you ensure that you're doing things in a way that is helpful to the users? Oh man, um, I'm definitely a champion of the underdog. Um, but in the case of, and I was just thinking more about features and and all of these different like app features that websites may have. And this also applies um, in this field of publishing when, because I remember you asking about things about reading and services too, is to kind of make a regular audit of your services mm -hmm. and features in order to understand what it is that you're providing your customers and be ruthless and just try to understand like how much is XYZ feature being used oh. and is it being used frequently enough, like what's your bar for it for being frequent? Who's it being used by? Why are they using it? That's the main thing is to understand why are people using X, Y, or Z? And then start to look as to whether or not you might be a, one or two features that you're trying to pop up and say like, hey, this feature is here in X, Y, or Z. Maybe that feature is there because you hit it because 20 people are using it. And now you think you have to like pop up a little bubble about it, right? So does that feature need sunsetting? Right. Does it need to be improved? Can it evolve into something else? Or can it be integrated into another feature? Quite possibly. Right. Yeah. So you're absolutely talking good. about bloat there, right? Just having yeah. too many bloat. things. Yeah, too many things. Just make sure you're trying to actually serve uh the core functions of what people need and what so what you may need them to do. And believe it or not, you may not need as information, as much information ab about people as you think you do, mm. right? So you could do, you can do surveys, you can actually talk to people or you can do, um, well, you can talk to people or you can do surveys online. Do you do both of those kinds of things? Yes, I do, yeah, yeah. And so a lot of times what I do actually is, um, first of all, I ask, I get folks to ask the really risky questions as in what is it that we don't know? What is it what we're trying to find out right now? Mm -hmm. And from there, that's how we then screen the people via surveys quite possibly. We screen folks to whom we would like to speak. And that's when you start to understand the why, the qualitative behind all the quantitative data that you may have. You, you right. may, because you may analyze your analytics and say like X, Y, Z is happening, but you don't necessarily know why. Yes. So then you have to talk to people to understand the qualitative reasons behind that. Right. Maybe everybody uses your search because your site is so poorly organized that they can't find anything. 
Yeah. I don't know. No. Right? <laughs> Maybe they don't really like search. They just have to use it because there's no other option. <laughs> Tricia, thanks so much for showing up on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I look forward. I see you all the time. I'll see you in a couple of days. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. And anybody, if you're interested, how can people contact you if they want to find out about your services? Yeah, sure. So you can go to my website, which is Tricia, T-R-I-C-I-A. It's like Patricia without the P-A. So it's Trisha Okin, O-K-I-N.com. Or you can find me with the same name on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash you know, Trisha Okin. And I'll put all that information in the in the show notes and so forth so people can get in touch with you. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank me. you.